0: Welcome to Designing Success from Study to Studio. I'm your host, Rhiannon Lee, founder of the Oleander and Finch Design Studio. I've lived the transformation from study to studio and then stripped it bare and wrote down the framework so you don't have to overthink it. In this podcast, you could expect real talk with industry friends, community, connection and actionable tips to help you conquer whatever's holding you back. Now let's get designing your own success. I speak with so many new designers who let the lack of portfolio hold them back from launching their business or who maybe put too much emphasis on what they need to have in that portfolio in order to attract clients. The portfolio probably means more to you than it actually does for a potential client. And when we really think about it from a logical perspective, we could have a portfolio that leans in really hard into a specific aesthetic, that maybe this client that wants to hire us has a totally different look and feel, or, you know, there's so many nuanced areas of design that will inform whether or not you're actually a good fit to work together. And just that one example of what you could do isn't going to make or break your business. Having said that, a portfolio is obviously a really helpful tool when presenting yourself to potential clients. So today I'm going to be talking about some examples of what you can do before you have paying clients. Because when we start, we're looking at everybody's websites, looking at all over Instagram, seeing people with this huge back catalogue of finished photography. And the reality is you're just not going to have that, not for a long time. So what we want to do is be really crafty and creative with what we can do and what we can present to potential clients and exploring the creative ways we can present ourselves without just relying on paid work A great thing to keep front of mind as well is a portfolio is not the only reason somebody's going to hire you. I mean, a lot of people take a very authentic and honest approach to their starting of their interior design business. And they might say, look, I've never had a client. I'd love to work with my first two or three clients for free, or I'm looking to work on a heavily reduced rate to use the finished images for portfolio." So there are things that you can do to Uh, communicate to your audience that you do actually want to build that portfolio, but that are very transparent in the fact that you don't yet have one. Now, I know having a portfolio is a big concern for so many of you. I speak with emerging designers every day who are really worried about their lack of portfolio. So today we're going to cover four key strategies you can employ to get one for your website, something to deliver, and something that could just make you feel more confident. I think once you have something there that you can present. It will help you to sort of talk about your services and deliverables in a more confident way. The first thing you want to do is create spec projects. So speculative projects or spec projects are such a great way to showcase your style, your creativity, what it is you could do for people. And they're also quite fun to create. So many of you will have created one in the process of your design education, where you'll do like an end-to-end project, and that will make up the first thing in your portfolio. For me and for many, I think by the time you actually graduate, you do think, I don't love this anymore, or my style has evolved a little bit, or this doesn't showcase the best of what I'm capable of doing. But that doesn't mean that the formula needs to be adjusted. It just means that you need to go back and say, okay, if this were a dream Client brief, what would I need to do? What would be the concerns of the client? How can I show? All you want to do in this space is show your why. So you want to show people what you took into consideration, how you listened, how you met the client brief, why you made the design choices that you made, and what the overall documentation looks like, whether that's 3D renders, drawings, material boards, mood boards flat lays, the whole kit and caboodle. You want color palettes, you want to be as specific as possible. I know, you know, certain companies, let's just take like Apple for example, when the new iPhone comes out, they're going to they're just showing you an iPhone. It's just the newest version and every single page of this glossy magazine for this iPhone explores a different feature. So you just want to be thinking about your design brief in the same way. Like, can you do a a whole page on lighting selections, considerations, layered light, the importance of layered light, like really get deep on this, do your best work. If you're going to do a portfolio and you're going to share it, make it the best of your abilities. So be fun with your creative brief, get in there and think, you know, I like to give the example sometimes with my students of doing things like imagining you got a phone call saying, we have not got the licensing agreement for the imagery that we needed for the front cover of Vogue Australia. It goes out in a week and a half. I need something straight away. We've chosen you. We love your aesthetic. Can you come up with the very best thing that you would showcase for your design firm if you had to turn around in a week and give it to us. There's a possibility that Vogue Australia is not actually knocking on your door (laughs) and in which case this is just a really fun project and your spec project for your portfolio can be exactly the same. Think about your dream budget or no budget. Think about your dream, like what do you want to show off? And if it is dream budget, just remember that might not appeal as much to a potential client if their budget doesn't match or you look a lot more high end or a lot out of range for them. So what we want to do is we want to do our best work that attracts our ideal clients. So really doing some background work about who do you want to work with, what kind of style, who are they? Where are they? What do they do? Their demographics, their psychographics, all those sorts of things that is a bit of a different conversation. It's obviously more around ideal client avatars, but we treat these projects as real client assignments, even if they're not. So develop the mood boards, the material selections, go to tile shops, think about the actual bathroom that you're putting together, go get photos of the furniture in situ, put them inside of your portfolio. If possible, Add 3D renders, show us exactly what you've got. You should get to the end of creating this spec project and be obsessed with it, in love with it. It should be a mirror for the kind of clientele you want to be working with. And then when you put it forward, it's the best version of work that you can do. You're super proud of it and you will be pointing people in the direction of your portfolio because it is an example of the type of work that you want to showcase. There's an added benefit to these spec projects as well as they can really help you define the type of deliverables, you know, the documentation that you want to give to a client, how you want it to look and feel, how involved and technical it is versus how top line, you can do concept development and get a style of your documentations that really aligns with your brand voice. This also gives you an opportunity to identify any parts of the customer journey that are maybe not relevant to what you want to do. So when you're going through your pretend client work and your pretend client brief, you may have missed questions. Like you might realize your brief doesn't actually talk to functionality, or you may have forgotten to ask simple questions like who lives in the house. And then you're going to add them into your document questionnaire, anything like that, that you might have within your business. Effectively, it's like a test run, but you are both the client and the designer. Okay, the second thing you can do if you're looking to build a portfolio in the online space specifically will be working on gathering testimonials and having social proof. So we all know, you hear the buzzword social proof all the time, but it actually matters to people if you've worked with someone else before. So we can build our businesses very fast as the clients begin to take a chance on us and to invest their money and we start to get some finished work, you'll notice once you've had work, you're getting work. It's just that very beginning stage when you only have a portfolio or you have no previous paid clients that you really find it a struggle. But this doesn't mean that you can't gather testimonials outside of paid clients. So no, do not get your mum to write how brilliant you are. Don't go to a friend or a family friend because they don't have the same surname as you and you, you just want it to look authentic. This is as disingenuous as just writing something and putting someone else's name under the bottom. What you want to do, you may not be able to speak to your work, but you can certainly speak to your professionalism or what you're like to work with. So go out to colleagues that you've worked with before. Uh, I have run an exercise within the framework that talks about touching base with these colleagues anyway, and just getting them to answer five questions so that you can identify some blind spots in who you are as a business owner. And you can also identify some of your Own USPs, and you can really start to see how you can promote what's different about you as a designer. But that's a side note. I think with the testimonials, it's great to go out if you can get some two or three people to just say how you are to work with. You know, you value communication, you're excellent at at team morale, whatever that looks like for you, go and get those and just start with that. You will obviously replace them with real testimonials the second that you can get them. And if you do go down the route of working with friends or family for free, those first couple, you know, maybe you do the first three for free, if that's the way you do it, you need to be asking them to do it in exchange for images for portfolio and testimonials for your website and your social media. Speaking of social media, this is another place to get great testimonials. They might not be a five-star Google review. They might just be someone who replied and said, oh my God, I love this. I love what you've done. This is my favorite of yours to date or something that is complimentary, something that is kind. That is enough to put them in quotation marks and start sharing that because it starts to build this momentum that other people are saying great things about your work and other people have put their trust in you and are really also willing to give you a go. Something that moved the needle for me in my business and honestly took me from that bit where I had been working so hard on setting up backend processes and portfolios and all those things that, you know, many new designers are doing. And it was a good six solid months of just every single day writing blogs, trying to get myself out there, doing mood boards, setting up systems in the back end, thinking about websites, all of the stuff. And I remember just crying and being like, I'm doing everything right. And I've got no clients and I really don't know what to do. And I just remember that horrible feeling like maybe I shouldn't have done this. I don't know what I'm thinking. And the thing that actually changed for me and the thing that made the Biggest effect in my business was a change in language. So, we've all seen mood boards that are out there, and the caption underneath is like, What a vibe, peace sign emoji. And I'm so, people are so bored of that now. Like, your social media captions have to be elevated. You have to be thinking about having a strong hook to stop people, having a conversation, asking for engagement. You have to be having a strong call to action. There's just so much that we need to know about that. And you don't know it until you know it. But I noticed when I changed my messaging from what a vibe, peace sign emoji, to in this brief, the client needed added functionality and storage for their growing family, but they didn't want to sacrifice it for style. They had a set of Scandinavian hygge influenced style outcome in mind, and I needed to bring in the practicality to balance the aesthetic. I've done so by doing X, Y, and Z. What do you think? Did I nail it? Question mark. And then people started saying, oh my God, yes, nailed it, loved it, or, or like just going, oh, tell us more about Hooga, what's that? And, and I started having conversations with people, and then I started having conversations with prospective clients. And this was so much more instrumental in the growth of my business than any portfolio or any spec job or any project like that. It was just this change in language where the messaging started to be a lot more about with this client, with that client, and then clients started booking me because they're like, you're working with all these clients that I wasn't, but I don't think that is a disingenuous thing because they were spec projects where I was imagining that that was for a client. And I was explaining the brief and I was explaining the why I chose certain things and the, how I could get that transformation for my client and every single client that I took on, I absolutely did give them the, the transformation and the uh, outcome that they were looking for, for their own homes. So I think it just really worked. And I would suggest that if you haven't yet, you really take a look into your messaging and into your language and vocabulary and the way you communicate your design when you are sharing on social media. And if a lot more of the language can include things like with this client and for this client brief and the challenges and how you overcame them, I think you will start to attract clients into your world a lot faster. Let's go into our next tactic, and that's before and after transformations. I see so many people holding back in this space because they are waiting for uh, a blank slate, a new build, um, a renovation, a big transformation, when in fact, your ability to visualize and execute a design can be Explained and shown in such a simple way, whether that is you have a sideboard at your house, you take a photo of it, you take everything off it, and you redo it, and you explain why you've chosen to group things in threes or group things with varying heights and you really educate your audience, that is a great piece of content. You, Yeah, you might just be doing it in your own house, but you can also flip that and offer to do it for a friend and go, look, I love your house. I love what you've done. Uh, The style is quite different to my own. So would it be okay if I came over and played around with some little vignettes in your house and took some before and afters? I think most people would not have a problem with you coming and styling up their home. Another thing that you can do, obviously we live in an age of technology and green screen is a thing. Jump on TikTok, jump on uh, Instagram, get in there, get a green screen behind you of an existing space, like from a magazine or realestate.com or domain.com and actually talk about how you would improve it. Like look, you can go all out, you could provide sketches and renders and really like a detailed description and show people how you would do it. Or you could just break down your thought process and talk about how you approach a project. People are going to love that. We will explore it in a different episode, but I think TikTok is really underutilized in the interior design space. But even if you're just doing it in your stories, people are gonna start watching it and really engaging with it because that type of content is thought leadership and it's so exciting where they're like, Oh actually I can Picture what you've done with the facade, or you're looking at this realestate.com photo with a big bay window, and you've just explained how you're going to turn this into a library and take people on that journey and paint the picture for them of what you can do as an interior designer, and they are going to be captivated. You can also use these to really build an audience because, as we're new, you have such a wonderful opportunity ahead of you to really start getting that audience that you do have really engaged. So you could do things like on a Monday, you could release the brief. And on a Tuesday, you could have the green screen where you have behind you what's happening in realestate.com, this particular house. And then on a Wednesday, you could have concept one. And on a Thursday, you could have concept two. And on a Friday, you could have a vote. And then on a Sunday, you could have final delivery of the... You know, mock up documentation for this mock up thing and get people coming along for the journey. This drives incredible engagement, and people would absolutely go crazy for this. If I had the time, I would be doing this on my own uh, Instagram. This is something I would totally say that is worth putting the time in when you are new because you're not up to your neck in, in existing client work but these things are attracting clients to you attracting advocates for your brand everybody's involved they're engaged they're actually going oh I can't wait for tomorrow to see what the second concept is so sort of dragging it out this would be a great regular segment inside of your Instagram stories and if you do start doing this please 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 tag at Oleander underscore and underscore Finch because nothing would make me happier than seeing some new designers actually employing some of these techniques to help build their presence on social media, despite maybe not having the biggest of portfolios. Okay, last one, in lieu of a portfolio, don't forget about designing your own spaces. How many people on social media have we seen really take off because of images of their own home? And look, I get it. I am the first interior designer to put my hand up and go, my house does not look magazine worthy. Like I am not inviting a magazine into my home tomorrow to take photographs and share. But there are so many things within my home that I would talk about. You know, when we renovated our laundry, we used Caboodle products from Bunnings. And how did I make that feel more high end? You know, I was willing to splurge and spend on the splashback and the the handmade tiles and just really having conversations around what you've done inside of your own home, explaining how you've curated the space, how it reflects the personality of the people in there, This is again, showing the how it's that thing that I was saying before about why we want to really let your potential clients in on your design process and how you approach a project, because that is more likely to have them hire you when you're on the same page and they love your outcome aesthetic, but they also love the considerations that you bring to a project much more than whatever is just sitting there looking like an assignment to, from your design education. Using your own space or designing your own space is also a place that you can come from an educational point of view, which I sort of mentioned in the before and after section of this conversation. But when you're, you can explain the design elements and actually move things around, and you can talk to people about repetition and actually show how you've repeated a particular color or theme throughout your home. Uh, Walk people around on a tour. People love moving cameras. I don't know what that's about. Feels a bit Blair Witch to me. It makes me feel like I've got vertigo, but maybe that's just my age. But I definitely notice that stories where I'm walking and talking, or stories when I'm a little bit more active, get much higher viewer numbers and much higher engagement. It's also no secret that clients often hire their designer based on their own personal aesthetic or their connection with that aesthetic, their vision, their like the sorts of things that you love and that you enjoy and that you put in your own home. That's likely to connect with a lot of potential clients. You may have noticed that with a lot of Instagram accounts, as I was mentioning before, who have their specific aesthetic or they have like recognizable homes, they're often approached to do paid design work way before they're ready, if they're ready at all to ever explore doing interior design as a monetization of their social media accounts. So you can see that that designing your own space absolutely is effective. It does work. It makes people go, oh my God, I love what you've done at your house. I'd love you to do it at mine. You also don't have to make any of these massive for a portfolio. Like we talked about the spec project and yes, end to end, it's going to look massive. It's going to take a lot of time to really make it the best version of what it can be. But you could also make the portfolio a little bit more quantity than say quality in that you could have four mini spec projects and each of them in a different Style, for example, or working with a different color and then just have the color palette, the material board, the brief, the mood board concept, the end result as a render, for example, and do that times four, a living room, a bathroom, a kitchen. I mean, I'm just coming up with this on the fly, but there's nothing stopping you just doing whatever you feel creatively best represents you and not feeling like it needs to be a two-year project style, like the same deliverable and construction drawings and renders and things that you would do for the very best paid project that you could get because this isn't a paid project. So all of these little things in combination are going to be starting to give you that social proof and that feeling of confidence, but not one individual strategy of these four strategies needs to take up six months of your time. This is literally an idea to get the ball rolling. So you can get a few things up there and point people towards it. But I promise you, I guarantee you, your potential clients or people that are inquiring or contacting with you are far more interested in your pricing investment guide, your welcome guide, what how that represents your brand than previous work, because it's got nothing to do with their client brief. And people honestly just care about what is in it for them. Okay, so to summarize the four key things that we can do before we have a portfolio of paid completed work, Firstly, we'll gather some testimonials from people you may have worked with, just to highlight your professionalism. Uh, You can present before and after transformations to showcase your ability to visualize and execute designs. Those can be on social media with the green screen. They could be mood board to render. They could be before and afters of a space in your own home, Uh, which brings me to number three, which is design your own space and use it as an example of your work and the possibility of what you can do. And lastly, but probably more importantly in this portfolio space would be to create spec projects that reflect your style, your creativity, your design skills, but most importantly, they reflect back to your ideal client, the exact type of project they would like to hire you for. The most important thing to remember about all of this is not to let it hold you back from starting your business. You can start moving forward in your business before you've graduated, after you've graduated, when there's no good time. So whenever you're ready, let's just get out there. But waiting for the perfect portfolio is a wasted opportunity because while you're waiting to create the perfect portfolio, your perfect client may have just walked right past to the next emerging designer who's actually just already gone. Yeah, I'm confident I can do that for you. Here's a little bit of some of the stuff I did in design school, but let's actually talk about your specific brief and how I can help you. That wraps up another episode of Designing Success from Study to Studio. Thanks for lending me your ears. Remember, progress over perfection is the key. If you found value in today's episode, go ahead and hit subscribe or share it with a friend. Your feedback means so much to me and it helps me improve, but it also helps this podcast reach more emerging and evolving designers just like you. For your daily dose of design business tips and to get a closer look at what goes on behind the scenes, follow at Oleander underscore and underscore Finch on Instagram. You'll find tons of resources available at www.oleanderandfinch.com to support you on your journey. Remember, this is your path, your vision, your future, and your business. Now let's get out there and start designing your success.